1: Welcome to the Midside, where we never deliver on our promises because we never make any promises. I'm your host, Justin M. Lesneski, the hopeful bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. Joining me this trip, still not in Dale's lawn, still identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green,
0: Hello, hello! Yes, I'm still in the land of Liederhosen and uh, Porsche. Uh, today, you find me in Stuttgart, uh, visiting my sister, who's stationed out here for the weekend, and then uh, on to Berlin for more work uh, next week. And then I'll be uh, I'll be back home after Labor Day, so uh, I'm still on the uh, still on the on the Germany time zone. But man, it was a beautiful day today. I went to, uh, I went to a wine festival, wandered around, had some delicious ox. And uh, and then I uh, did some hiking and saw a rubble pile. Uh, you hike up this mountain, there's a pile of rubble as a memorial for World War II. And um, there was uh, great views of the city. And uh, the weather, it's been kind of thunderstormy here this week. And was uh, supposed to be cloudy and, and possible rain today, but it did nothing but sunshine. So it ended up being a great day. I thought I was going to be stuck inside the whole time here, but I uh, actually got, uh, got some good hiking in.
1: That's how I know you're from California, and not from Florida, because every day is it's going to rain and it's <laughs> cloudy and you don't stay inside for that reason. That's true. You just finally get an umbrella if you're if you're me. Uh, so you said g- get some ox. That's O-X, not A-U-X, correct? That's correct. I just figured with you um, and what you do. Yeah, in you got to check. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just said yeah, to clarify. Bit. So are you're going to be working remotely, living in the U.S. still?
0: Yeah, yep. But uh, hopefully I'll be out here semi-frequently, so uh, we'll see. But uh, that's the plan
1: right now. I mean, isn't that a amazing world that you can have a job where the company is based in Germany but still live in the U.S.? Yeah, yep. Uh, as so long as...
0: As long as this uh, international stuff keeps working, uh, we, we you know we could always have COVID COVID part two, right?
1: Yeah, but you're working from home, so that's true. Is that that's really going to disrupt you? No, and no, I have we'll to ask have because cut down on my travel. Yeah, I, I have to ask. Why are you staying in California? Uh, well, that's where my uh, that's where my
0: other business interests lie.
1: That's what I thought. Yeah you got going to sell people sandwiches, and the only place you can do that is California. That's right. And I'm, I'm, I'm good at that, too. Well, I don't even know how you own a business nowadays, because if we look at this week's farce, there's a oh lot man. of crazy stuff going on in businesses. And don't worry, we'll get to the student loan forgiveness. That's our final final story. But first, we have to talk about three things happening at different businesses. We'll do that in Life on the Midside.
0: On, one, two,
1: As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode, Locals is per month. We appreciate all support. Especially perhaps affirmations. All right, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about, William, was a headline. and I, and I hate mm-hmm. to just respond to a headline, but I saw this number in this headline, and it blew my mind. So the headline from Yahoo News is, and they're they're just reposting an AP article, is Walmart ordered to pay Oregon man four point four million for racial profiling. Now, when you go into this article, this guy goes into Walmart, and somebody starts following him around, and then supposedly one of the employees threatens to smash him in the face. He, the guy, the employee, calls the police on this guy. The police just leave because this Walmart employee has many times over called the police over false alarms, and essentially, you know, while we're talking about people of Walmart, we're talking about people who work at Walmart, right? And Walmart doesn't fire this guy until later on for, quote, uh, mishandling $35 of Walmart property, even though he has a pattern or had a pattern of engaging in this type of behavior. And ultimately, it cost Walmart $4.4 million. But my thing is, is this simply because it was Oregon? Because that's the only explanation I can think of for why it's $4.4 million for being racially profiled and harassed by a crazy person
0: yeah and I think I think it, when I read the article, it was the uh, the boy who cried wolf that said that the customer wanted to smash him in the face. so oh, it- just a yeah yeah, just make that super clear and but also, yeah, it, like I watched the video and this guy oh, yeah you're uh, right. the this guy he he looks just like a very awkward person, possibly on the spectrum sort of thing. I mean, we're not supposed to diagnose, but like you just tell from the eye the way he's making eye contact.
1: Um, Right. We don't know what the uh, the psychological condition is that's causing him to act this way. But there's exactly something,
0: something, something. We don't know what it is, but it's definitely something just looking at the body language and the eye contact and things like that. Uh, Obviously, this guy was not trained very well on how to do loss prevention. I mean, that's the other thing I can kind of look at um, if he's making all these false calls to the police and things like that. But. Wow. They had to wait. I, I'm trying to think in in Oregon, it must be so hard to fire someone. That they had to wait till they caught him mishandling thirty four dollars worth of merchandise before they could fire him. Right. Do you don't think, uh, Justin, that they wanted to fire this guy before this? like no, before I this incident? Yeah.
1: No, I agree with you. I think they did. And I think what you're pointing out here is just how everything is set up where it's an, it's everything is Kobayashi Maru. It's a no win situation yeah. because isn't it also a good thing if this guy has like some sort of condition or something, or he's awkward that Walmart's giving him an opportunity to work and trying to give him some responsibility. Like, yeah. isn't that part of the whole culture we live in too about, you know, raising up the weak and giving them opportunities.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it seems like, it, it seems like quite a 4.4 uh, 4 million worth of farce to immediately jump to racism. Like the, the like, there's nothing in here that's about racial profiling, was there? Like, not that, as it's not
1: said, not in the article. article.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to be clear, not in the article. I'm not saying it could, it doesn't exist. I'm just saying like this was not presented as the only evidence presented that this was racial profiling is that the person is white and male and presumably straight. Is that the, and we're supposed to just take that this is racial profiling based on that?
1: Right. And well, and that's the thing. We don't even know if the racial profiling, as you're pointing out, is being uh, added to the story by the news outlets. Because it says here, quote from the article, Magnum, the the man who was supposedly racial profiles. Uh, oh, sorry. Mangum. It's not it's not a uh, uh, who's the guy. It's not Burt Reynolds with the mustache. Oh, yeah. Mangum. Yeah. I thought it was Magnum PI with the mustache for a second, but no, it's mangum. filed the lawsuit against Walmart for negligent retention and action against person who summons police with improper intent. Now, I guess you could argue the improper intent is the racial profiling, right? But even in this article, it doesn't say that that's what they were suing Walmart over.
0: Yeah. 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 There might be some, uh, editorial license with the, uh, with the headline, right? But, uh, you can I, I I guess I maybe in California, maybe in Los Angeles is probably the only other place or San Francisco where you would get this kind of four point four million dollars of punitive damage for
1: from for Walmart. Uh, right. Because here's the thing, even if it's not racial profiling, right, whatever was done, this is all psychological harm, correct?
0: I can't. There was no physical harm in any of the videos that I saw.
1: Right. And nothing was done to this person's lifestyle or anything. So there's no like long term effects beyond psychology. And my question would be, is whatever psychological harm that was done. And I, I I think I'm being generous by saying psychological harm because I don't think that really harm was done. This is, should be one of these situations where you're like, well, this person seems crazy. So I'm just not going to file this in my brain under important. Right, So I think whatever happened, whether it was race related or not, just just regular harassment, then that would be something that you would file as not important. But somebody, whoever this person is, Mangum, filed it as important in his brain. That to me is an issue in itself. But even fixing that issue, is it going to take 4.4 million dollars worth of therapy to fix that issue? I'm just not sure how you get to 4.4 million dollars from this.
0: It's got to be punitive damages. It's just because it's racism, right? it's, it's got to be punitive damage. And uh, beyond that, this is uh, like, didn't this event take place in 2020 or something? Like it took place a while ago. And now they don't even do loss prevention anymore, right? I mean, we've we've got all these videos. Uh, I'm sure it's in Portland as well, because it's definitely in L A. Where people are just walking out with goods now, like they're locking up Justin in my grocery store in Dale's lawn. They have a whole section now that I have to go into to get certain items, like a like a walled off section, right?
1: Interesting. Yeah, I mean, but that's logical where you live because if you're allowing this shoplifting to go on up to a certain amount of money you're going to want to put those items that are higher cost in a special section. That's harder to protect. Do you get what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. So they can't stop. Yeah. But this is what I don't understand. They can't, they're not allowed to stop anyone unless it's above like what some ridiculous amount of money. Right. And even then they're technically not allowed to stop anyone. How is this, how is this going to help? This is inconveniencing me for no reason. Right.
1: They're not going to stop. If Someone
0: walks in there, walks into that special section, picks up, 14 buckets of Similac and walks out the front door, no one's going to stop them.
1: This is California. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. I, I haven't seen this, right? Cause I'm here in Florida where, you know, we we don't let people steal things, right? How inconvenient is it for you to get to that section?
0: Well, there's only one way to come in and you can't exit until you pay for all the items in your cart.
1: Okay. So the reason I'm asking that is, the theory I believe they're using is the more inconvenient it is, the the less likely people are to steal. Do you get what I mean? They're, oh, okay. So they'll just go. They'll just go to the poor breeze.
0: CVS. Yeah, the poor CVS across the street that does, hasn't done this yet. So
1: correct, correct. And then this will become the standard. And this is look. This is the small slippery slope, slow degradation that people don't want to talk about. Right? That that this is what happens when you when you change the, yeah. the rules. It's, the, it's, the stadium, this it's
0: uh uh if you're playing a drinking game, uh take your shot for uh one of us mentioning Adam Carolla. This is Adam Carolla's uh razor wire on the freeway signs to stop uh graffiti thing, right?
1: Yeah. Or what he says about smoking, right? That originally yeah. it was a smoking section, then you uh had them smoke outside, then it was you couldn't smoke within a hundred feet of the building. Yep. Yep, exactly. Yeah. But it's still it just blows my mind. Even four point four for punitive damages, right? Like I get it's not compensation for what happened, but it's punitive to punish yeah.
0: and what I mean person? it's great just to tie it up too. Uh we're contrasting this guy this okay, some socially awkward kid is doing a bad job at his job. They can't fire him, presumably. They finally end up firing him later, because they catch him doing something with some merchandise irresponsibly. And then they then later on, even after that, they get sued. They have to pay four point four million dollars. Meanwhile, people are walking out with thousands of dollars of goods from stores in across California, and no one that like nothing is being done for, about that at all, right? But at least we stopped racism at the Walmart in uh, in Oregon,
1: right? Because ultimately, William, what I think it comes down to is redistribution of wealth. People oh, yeah. are just making pragmatic decisions based upon how to take from those who have and give to those who supposedly have not. And this is a case of, well, Walmart shouldn't have the money it has anyway. So we might as well get them to give $4.4 million to uh, a black man because he deserves it due to systemic racism. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. I think that's probably the most benevolent interpretation for the, the, the 4.4 million decision. And I'm not saying I agree with it, but I mean, I guess in a way, at least they're applying their principles. And then if yeah. this is how they're applying their principles, can people really have the excuse of they don't know what's going on anymore? Right. Because it's always been that this is an esoteric discussion and people can't see how it applies in real life. But isn't this an example of we're seeing how things are being applied in real life now and you can either address it and accept it or ignore it. And if you ignore it, you're ignoring it at your own peril.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're looking, we're looking at, at, at a harm, you know, let's grant the premise. We're looking at a harm that got caught on video and giving it a worth of $4.4 million. And yet we're seeing real harm. We have tons and tons of videos of people walking out of the store with merchandise real harm to these business owners, right? These, there are real people that own stock in these companies, right? The real people that own these companies that the real people that work at these companies, managers that have to make their percentages at these companies. And, uh, yeah, we don't, we don't register that at all, right? That's not even a blip on society's radar.
1: Well, and I, I love that you're saying that because this, this, uh, this distinguishment you made between real harm and, you know, unreal harm, I think that plays into our next two stories so perfectly. The next two things I saw, uh, one of them was sent to uh, me by, sent to us. Daniel dropped it into the thread, didn't he, in the text thread? Uh, So this podcast uh, organization, podcast movement held a conference in Texas this past week. And then uh, Ben Shapiro showed up. And this is where the farce begins. I'm going to read a tweet from Podcast Movement about Ben Shapiro showing up at their conference. Hi, folks. We owe you an apology before sessions kick off for the day. Yesterday afternoon, Ben Shapiro briefly visited the Podcast Movement 2022 Expo area near the Daily Wire booth. Though he was not registered or expected... We take full responsibility for the harm done by his presence. So when we're talking about real harm, William, and exactly what I was saying before with the, how much psychological damage is actually being done here? How much harm is being done by somebody you disagree with or dislike, or even think is evil, simply being in the same place as you. Simply existing in the same space as you, especially if he's only going to the booth for the company he is a part of.
0: Yeah, this is this is a very uh, this is a, a a peak farce award contender right here. All he has to do is show up. He didn't speak. He didn't do anything. This is his business, right? They, they invite. They had a booth. This is a podcast conference. They are a podcast network. It's insane.
1: What What? If he that, is a commentary personality? That is what he does. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Matt, uh, Justin, do you think for a moment if instead
0: of, uh, um, him, if it was, uh, Joe Rogan, they would probably do the same thing, wouldn't they? Yes. Uh, but how about Al Sharpton? No. Yeah. He has a podcast.
1: Yeah. But here's the thing, they actually addressed this. So there's further statements here. Here's more from podcast movement. Not a tweet, just more statements. There's no way around it. We agreed to sell The Daily Wire, our first-time booth, based on the company's large presence in podcasting. Okay? We can all agree with that. That makes sense, right? The weight of that decision is now painfully clear. Shapiro is a co-founder. A drop-in, however unlikely, should have been considered a possibility, the organizer explains. So, William, I want to make a, a crazy supposition here. I think this argumentation angle they're taking demonstrates low self-esteem on their part. They're calling the drop-in unlikely. Isn't that undercutting the importance of their own event? If this, if Shapiro is yeah. a co-founder of a podcast and that podcast is going to their convention if their convention is a big deal wouldn't he want to show up there why is that unlikely right i think they're trying to underplay it to make it seem like they didn't think about it because it seemed unlikely but really in order to make themselves not seem stupid for not considering it they're undercutting the importance of their organization
0: yeah yeah and what would have what would have been their actions the other way around would they just live not gave them a booth would they have put trigger warnings like like me i can imagine a pa announcement right warning ben shapiro will be arriving in 30 minutes please exit the building now if you are unsafe i don't even know how you'd how phrase it, I that maybe, it to be something like that.
1: dude i want to whenever i walk into a building all the people that i won't like are just going to leave can i make that oh, happen man. yeah maybe i actually am you know, for of this i'm for this direction of society I'm for this direction.
0: Well, we have tons of research that says that trigger warnings don't work, but I think in this case, we might be able to defy the odds. How could you be triggered if you're asked to leave?
1: (laughs) Well, then they're going to say, why do I have to leave the space when somebody I don't like shows up or somebody who has no right to be here shows up? You know what I mean? They're going to say that that's unfair and systemic because ultimately what's going to happen here key in on the phrase first time booth. That's implying that they were bringing them in here and they're never going to do it again. Right. That this was a mistake they made. Cause if we re- yeah. read the next part, those of you who called this unacceptable are right. In nine wonderful years growing and celebrating this medium podcast movement has made mistakes. The pain caused by this one will always stick with us. We promise that sponsors will be more carefully considered moving forward. So they're saying there when they're saying sponsors will be more carefully co- considered moving forward. They're not going to work with the Daily Wire anymore, uh, and also, William, I want to ask you just what you think. Do you think that in ten years, the pain of Ben Shapiro showing up at Podcast Expo, Podcast Movement Expo twenty twenty two, or whatever they called it, do you think that that pain is still going to stick with the organization organizers of Podcast Movement? In 10 years? Yes.
0: Yes, to the tune of about $4.4 4 million. Uh, their pending <laughs> lawsuit in two years.
1: That's what's crazy about the last, you just drove home the last article, right? Like I did. This is how this all connects. In reality, no, it's not going to, right? No, they're not going to be in 10 years like, oh man, I'm still so hurt that Ben Shapiro showed up at our expo 10 years yeah, ago. That's yeah, we got to do an SNL skit.
0: We got to do an SNL skit like that, right? With all these grievances from like, you know, you know like someone sitting on uh their grandfather's you know knee it's like back in my day one time i went to this podcast convention and Ben Shapiro was there the kid gasps and
1: yeah i think we could do it well you could do a whole bunch of stuff like you just bring in a whole bunch of different people and it's what they're upset about from 10 years ago and it's just ridiculous stuff <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the, the, what do i know i'm still i'm still uh, broken over the 08 super bowl the 18 and 1 game that still affects me that fundamentally changed who i am but that i would say that's more significant than this this is literally another human being shows up and doesn't do anything like what did he do the article explained like he just took pictures with and shook hands and talked to people at the daily wire booth right yep yep that's all he did and that's enough it's crazy he's a nazi don't you know yeah but william like you've been to comic-con right?
0: Yeah, yep. Well, I've been so around I haven't gone into okay. Comic Con, but yes.
1: I live so in San Diego. So have you ever been to Can't a convention? It. Like, like, correct, yeah. and it's impossible to get tickets nowadays. But like, have you ever been like go to a Star Trek convention growing up or anything? I've,
0: I go to a hacker convention every year.
1: So uh, okay. I go to many, so many conventions. Okay, so you're going to understand what I'm saying. Anyone who's been, ever been to any sort of convention, right? When you're at the booth you're at, are you thinking about all the other booths? And who's in them and what they're talking about and what's going on? No, Justin, but there are folks who
0: have. I won't be able to get into all the details because I don't have the names in front of me. But I remember uh, one person that was very prominent in the hacker community was uh, uh, a, a, a secret, uh A bunch of secret reports were made, and he was just told, no more, you're not allowed in the conference anymore. You're causing uh, people harm. And no one to this day knows even... Uh, not even him, not even the person who was banned knows what was the accusations or even what it was. And he was like someone who like helped organize part of it.
1: Has he explained what happened? Like just when he was there last, like, did he say, these are all the things that I did. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying he was running. He did anything. I'm just saying like he went through his itinerary. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, he ran a whole segment. Uh, I won't say what, because I, I don't want to say that. Like, imagine one. Imagine more than a booth, like running one of the uh, tracks at a conference, right? So, like, he yes. was there with the speakers and then doing things and running events and doing workshops and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, now, yeah he's just, just gone. He's one, just right? gone from that conference. Yeah, exactly. Which is and crazy. We'll, because- we'll never know, right?
1: That's so. Dis- well, we know. We just know somebody had a problem with him for something he said or did. They just don't like him, and that's what's disheartening now. This is literally unpersoning, right? And people worry about it on a you know national scale or global scale. But where does it start first, right? That's what we said in the last article with the Adam Kroll thing. Where does it start first? It's going to start in local, small events. So now Ben Shapiro is unpersoned. Right at this convention, and this person you're referring to at the hacker convention is unpersoned at that convention. But hey, he had to be in that town. Yeah. Right? yeah. What if Ben Shapiro goes to Disney World or Disneyland at the same time you're there? Is that a problem? Well, for you?
0: well as a transgender person, I would feel unsafe. That's what I've been told to say.
1: And that's the point. What's the radius? What's the geographic radius? The fact that he exists on this planet,
0: we must move him to the moon or Mars. Yeah, yeah.
1: And well, I mean, and then isn't it going to be the fact that he exists at all? That's true. That white supremacy
0: would would extend to the moon then. You're right. I don't want to spread that out of the galaxy.
1: So then doesn't punch a Nazi come very, very close to exterminate a Nazi?
0: Yeah, it does. That's where that's where this emotionalism leads to. I, I don't want to use the word logically because it's not logic that's being used here. It's a it's it's the consequences of these um, this irrationality. It only leads in one direction.
1: It only leads to one direction. Well, uh, why why, why oh, can't you go to a in One Direction, direction. concert? Oh, okay. uh, one confused. Direction was... is white
0: supremacy. <laughs> that's uh now we've brought it full circle. That's what I just heard,
1: and you want to talk about like geography and emotionalism. One of the most ridiculous things, and this was actually sent to me by my wife this week, uh, was something that the New York Post made popular, and I had to, um, I had to make sure to vet this against a couple other sources because the New York Post, William, is kind of clickbaity nowadays. I'm sure you've noticed that. So I didn't want to just like rely on the New York Post piece, but it actually is the best uh, piece for this for this content. And I honestly usually I go through and I pick out parts of the article to, to read, but I'm just gonna read this article. Right? Because the first like three quarters of this article is the whole thing's pretty farcical. So the headline is Sydney Nightclub, Club 77. Banned staring without verbal consent. Which then I wonder, what is Club 33 at Disney going to do in response? Uh, A nightclub in Sydney, Australia has banned staring unless the person doing the staring gets the prior consent of the person they are staring at to continue staring. By the way, write a better sentence, writer. Jesus. How many times do they use the word staring in that sentence? A failure to do so could result in the police being called so if you're staring at someone without getting consent from them to do the staring then the police can be called for your staring and i'm sure they'll call the police about that hey what do you what are you what are you calling us about how about that's an snl skit isn't it william that you say the word staring that many times yeah
0: yeah yeah I i don't think i could do it
1: now here's the next here's the next one it also discouraged people from coming if their sole purpose was to meet someone to pick up. Oh, Wait, what? why do you go? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Whose sole purpose what? of going to a club? You know what I really want to do tonight? I want to go to a What's place that? where I can't see cause it's really dark and I can't hear cause it's really loud. That sounds really fun. Also where everyone is intoxicated. I'd like to go to that place <laughs> under- what is the purpose always. of yeah what is the point of going to
0: the club if it's not to listen to very loud music and smash into random people and try to pick people up that is what the club is for is it not Wait, did you it's just supposed to be a mixer
1: a, you just described a pro wrestling event loud music smash <laughs> into each other and pick them up
0: oh yeah, you're yeah, using
1: that's pick, true. You're, you're using pickup uh, non literally abstractly okay
0: Yeah, And it doesn't have to be seedy. It doesn't have to be like a hookup, although a lot of people it is, right? It could just be to meet new people, right?
1: Well, and that's part of the problem with all this as we get into this article. The definitions are all undefined. Club 77 in Darlinghurst in Sydney's inner east gave staring as an example of an action that would be in contravention of its new safety and harassment policy. In an Instagram post from ORS mom. Wait a minute. Okay, we
0: I've I've I, online we've had terms and conditions just pop up all over the place, right? You consent to mm-hmm. all this bullshit that you don't even understand every time you use any any sort of service. Now there's terms and conditions inside of a club. I thought it was like the sign outside that was like no fights, no bandanas, you know, no flip flops. Right. Those are those are the terms and just- conditions I'm used to.
1: I thought it was just if the owners wanted to throw you out, they send a bouncer after you and they throw you out like the terms and conditions. Yeah. Are, You're here as long as I let you be here. Like, that's what I thought the terms yeah, and yeah. conditions were. Those should be the terms and conditions for any place you don't own. Right. But here's the best part that you, you interrupted me before you got to the most farcical part. The club said safety officers in pink vests would enforce the staring rules. So it's not even the bouncers, William. They got a whole new set of bouncers in pink vests. Remember in uh, Scott Pilgrim where the vegan police show up? hmm This is the same exact thing. Can you imagine like you're staring at someone because they're attractive and like you don't even mean to be? You're just like, oh, that's a nice ass. And you're staring. And then two people in pink vests come up to you and you're like, you're going to have to leave.
0: What if someone's dancing and you're just, yeah. And you're just like, wow, that's really like, that's really nice dancing. And all of a sudden you get arrested by the pigs and kicked out of the club.
1: I don't want to live on this planet anymore. That's the thing. about We can't have fun anymore. Well, you can only have fun if you're not disrupting somebody else's fun. And we know in these situations, William, the problem is misinterpretation. And what I mean by it is how bad how bad is communication between human beings when you can see and hear and you're not intoxicated? Now, no one can see, no one can hear and they're intoxicated. And we're going to use somebody being like, oh, that person's staring at me and I'm uncomfortable about it as the standard for sending people in pink vests to pull you out of the club.
0: This is just this is just the uh, uh, the Salem witch trials, right? You're just going to have a bunch of primarily women pointing at guys and saying they make me uncomfortable, and they're getting bounced out. So here's what's going to happen, Justin. Are you ready? All the yes. unattractive guys will be kicked out.
1: This is literally. Do I need something... to explain why? No, and I'm going to explain why. This is literally You're something right. that we talked about my, one of my roommates that I talked about in undergrad, because we were across the, the hill from Cornell, right there on separate Hills in Ithaca. And we talked about how the word creepy was being used to, to unfairly label attention from guys. Girls didn't like, and my, you know, my friend, wrote yeah, an article and let's be it. clear about this. This is the
0: problem. This is the problem with the way sexual harassment is defined. It's defined as unwanted, right? And and then the slippery slope of what what is harassment, you know, c- comes in after that, right? So if someone makes an unsuccessful, you know, we talked about it with Hulk last week, right? Someone makes an unsu- unsuccessful or awkward attempt at, you know, chatting up uh, a member of the opposite sex. Well, if they're ugly, it was clearly unwanted, right? And so therefore, it's sexual harassment. That's where that's where we've gotten to. And I'm not saying that. There is an actual harassment going on all the time. There is like, there is definitely that in the culture, but we also have to point out this, this sort of toxic femininity where it's like, Oh, this person's ugly. Therefore it's unwanted. Therefore they're creepy. Therefore they're evil.
1: Well, is is the word harassment, the problem in itself?
0: Maybe. I don't
1: know. Well, the reason I'm asking is maybe it's not a strong enough word because you know, there's harassment, but isn't the real problem the stalking? And I'm just giving one example. Like if someone's yeah, following yeah. you around the club, you can call that harassment, but isn't that stalking you at the club, following you around the club? And to to equate that to being harassed by being stared at is much different. You see what I'm saying? And how do you get how
0: do you get verbal consent to look at someone? And how many seconds is it that it's staring? Like, I don't know. I'm just so confused because, you know, Justin, I know it's been a while, but have you tried to strike up a conversation with just some random person? Like, even if it's just like, it doesn't have to be someone of opposite sex, but in a, at a club's kind of environment, it's hard, right? You know, you uh, know you I mean, usually I've involves a club actually,
1: <laughs> I've been to a club like twice in my life. So I'm not, <laughs> well, the you can imagine.
0: Yeah, you can imagine though, right? You know, it's it's a lot. There's not a lot of conversating going on. It's very loud. Yeah, people just talk. It with involves their bodies, a lot of touching. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. exactly. Yeah, it involves a lot of touching, and not necessarily like sexual touching, just like touching yeah. and eye contact. It does involve eye contact. Well, Justin, this this is this is this comes this comes back to that interpersonal hostility that we always bring up because, right. like, we're we're supposed to just automatically take someone feeling uncomfortable as the standard. And that, that's just, that just can't be the standard. That's just not an objective standard.
1: Right. It, it does two things at the, it does two contradictory things at the same time with that as a standard. One, it assumes that people are completely rational and healthy that they're able to assess what is actual harassment and what is not. But at the same time assumes people are completely irrational and unhealthy because they would be able to know what harassment is and engage in it anyway. Do you see what I'm saying?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Right. And that's, that's part of the interpersonal hostility. That's so insane here. And it goes back to what we said with She-Hulk last week. It's the idea that, they they say men are doing this intentionally, right? This idea of, oh, men are just going to the club to stare at us to make us feel uncomfortable, right? And that's the most benign way of describing it. They say it's much worse. Their idea is that, you know, men know rape is wrong, but they rape anyway because we live in a rape culture. And it it leads to things like this. Yeah, yeah. All right. There's something else people want to hear us talk about, I think, William. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, in the middle of this week, Biden canceled 20,000 in federal student loan debt from a certain percentage of people. And it's based upon like your income and stuff like that. I haven't looked in the exact numbers, which perhaps is revealing to all of you that I don't have any student loan debt. And, you know, that's part of this discussion here. But before we go in that direction, which is the obvious direction, right? uh, I just want to point out the way that all of this is being leveraged and used. And people need to be careful when, you know, giving away their futures, essentially, for this short-term gain because of what they're giving up in exchange. Right. And the way this was said is insane, but there's a valid point hidden in here. So, Ted Cruz had a statement on the federal loan debt, and he said it on uh, his podcast, The Verdict, with Ted Cruz. Now, um, William, before we even get into this, Ted Cruz is still in office, correct? Uh, As far as I know. So... Am I the only one who has a problem with an elected official having a podcast?
0: Well, we have uh, we have AOC all over TikTok. I have a
1: problem with that too.
0: It's a communication medium. They're reaching out to their uh, their constituents, presumably.
1: Yeah, it's it's just tough. It's tough that these people are elected officials, and it was the same thing when Trump was president, right? Why does the president yeah. need a personal social media account, need a personal Twitter account, need a, a personal podcast? I mean, the only reason it can be is to continue to run for office and participate in politics.
0: Yeah, let's let's read. Uh, let's let's give it. Let's uh, steel man uh, the flip side of the argument, though. It gives him a way to not be mediated through mainstream media. Right. Podcast obviously gives you a direct way to talk to your audience. And in this case, his audience would presumably be his constituents. Or at least his
1: supporters. It's a good argument, so we'll let the midsiders decide that for themselves. I'm undecided now. It just it's it feels very strange to me that it's like Ted yeah. Cruz has a podcast. It just I don't know. It's the same thing like did, jo- did George Washington have his own newspaper? Well that's what I'm saying. Like the George Washington zine that he gave to um, uh, ah, the name's escaping me. Paul Revere. He gave it to Paul Revere to distribute to people. Yeah. Yeah. So he's saying Ted Cruz is saying here the the loan debt forgiveness presented a real risk for GOP candidates this year. He worried that the Democratic turnout could see an uptick if the debt relief caused those who wasted time and money in college to become motivated to get off the bong for a minute. So here are the quotes. This is a real, there is a real risk. If you are that slacker barista who wasted seven years in college studying completely useless things, now has loans and can't get a job. Joe Biden just gave you 20 grand. Like, holy cow, 20 grand. You know, maybe you weren't going to vote in November and suddenly you just got 20 grand. And you know, if you can get off the bong for a minute and head down to the voting station, he continued, or just send in your mail-in ballot that the Democrats have helpfully sent you, it could drive up turnout, particularly among young people. Now, I think buried in here is an important point, right? The strategy on the left for a long time has been to buy votes in a legal way. Yeah, you, you, you remember, Justin, buy the Obama
0: phone. phone. Yes. The Obama phone, remember?
1: I got my Obama phone. I remember that. Right. And he's pointing that out. And I think he's correct. The problem is, though, William, this is what's wrong with the right. Why are you couching it in this rhetoric? This is a legitimate concern. The legitimate concern is we have record inflation because we just keep pumping money into the economy. And then what are we doing now? We're pumping more money into the economy. And you could say maybe it's for unproductive people or not. I wouldn't even go that far. I'm just saying, why are you addressing it in this way? Why is this the right's response now to just be completely dismissive to a whole group of people and insulting towards them? If the other side is creating a culture war based on the idea of interpersonal hostility, why are you playing into it and stoking the fires of that interpersonal hostility?
0: Yep. Yep. It's uh, it's not the right way to do it. Absolutely not. I mean, what? We've talked about this a little bit, I think, before on the show, but this, this idea that anyone can get a college education and then we put them in debt for the rest of their lives is just absurd. And it's not absurd as in like the debt, which is what we, everyone keeps pointing out to. It's the, it's the trying to get something for nothing, right? It's the, it's the idea that, well, if we just paid more money, more federal money, gave more loans, more people will get educated. All we've created is these terrible, perverse incentives, where you have colleges that spend money on the most ridiculous things. None of them having to do with education. More money is going to higher education now than ever before, and college graduates uh, know less than they have ever before. It's crazy.
1: Well, yeah, and and that's the way to talk about this, and that's that's the real farce of this story to me. Yeah, we can you know, we can beat our drums about. You know, inflation and the degradation of society. But the real degradation is one side does something wrong and then the other side re- replies in a way that does nothing to inform anyone of anything or create any sort of productive discussion. I mean, the left creates a bad policy in order to engender themselves to people and buy votes, essentially. And then the right responds by insulting everyone. How is that helpful? Or the right does the same thing. The right does something to pander to its base. And then what does the left do? Insult everyone. I mean, how yeah. how is this ever going to improve from here?
0: Well, thankfully, uh, I'm sure uh, his his podcast has less listeners than ours. So I'm sure nobody paid attention to this quote, right?
1: Yeah, I'm sure nobody paid attention to this quote. Just like nobody's going to pay attention to my movie review that i'm gonna do in a couple of seconds here <laughs> want to get to it all right sure I oh there it is all right i was like where's your reply william did it get lost
0: <laughs> sorry there? germany germany packets are slow we gotta go that's, what, that's
1: yeah. what i was just gonna say we made the <laughs> same joke all right let's get to the hopeful romantic with JML. Put
0: me into- Wasn't focused
1: on. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord. Just go to the Midside.com or the Midside.com slash podcast, click on any episode, and then if you click on the episode link in it, or sorry, if you click on the join link, you'll be able to join our Discord. Uh, I'm going to read some comments by Midsider GS that he left on the trailers for Trailer Takedown. So if you wanted to do that, then you are more than welcome to. We love it. All right. The movie I want to review this week is 300 Years of Longing. It's George Miller's new movie. It stars Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton. William, do you remember the trailer from Trailer Takedown?
0: Mm, Refresh my memory. I remember seeing his face.
1: Right, so Idris Elba plays a djinn, although I don't know like, when did we in America, William stop fucking calling them genies and start using the Arabic name for them? Like, why can we not fucking call them genies anymore? It's it's fucking stupid. But he plays a genie, alright? I'm fucking American, I'm gonna call him a genie, right? And Tilda Swinton's character who is a narratologist, someone who studies narratives, discovers his body, his body, his, his, uh, bottle and he releases him and he says, you need to make three wishes in order for me to be free. And she refuses to, because she uh, knows how every story about wishing ends badly showing how much of a folly wishing is. But then also there's the subplot of, uh, both of them, have been very lonely for a very long time, right? Tilda Swinton had a husband, mm-hmm. and he died or something. I don't remember. It's too many fucking details in this movie. And then too many random details, and we'll get to that in a second. And then uh, he's a genie, right? Now, obviously, he's been trapped in a bottle. Does that uh, bring your memory back at all? Yep, refreshes, refreshes my memory. What did you think? I don't remember what you said. I think I tackled it, if I remember correctly. Well, you were probably pretty smart there. Look, the only reason I saw yeah. this movie is, do you know what else George Miller has directed? I don't remember now. He directed a Mad Max Fury Road, which okay. everyone praised the 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 fuck out of that movie, right? They talked about how good it was and how you know moral it was and it had all these deep ideas, these uh, theme and motifs and everything. And I just didn't see it. I do not think that's a good movie. Now, don't get me wrong. I think visually it's a good movie. But I think okay. overall as an integrated story, I don't think there's much depth to it. What were your impressions of that movie?
0: Yeah, I think it It. it, it I think it tried to have depth. It feigned having depth. Depth. <laughs> Death. It de- definitely had depth. Uh, depth. It feigned having depth. But yeah, I, I didn't get that it was there was nothing profound. There was no, like there was, was, there was a lot of spectacle, but I, I didn't, I didn't see any of this, with that, what everyone else was seeing. I thought it was enjoyable as, as just a pure action. Movie, right.
1: Right. No, I, I don't disagree with that, but to me, it was just like an average, like, you know, I'd put it on par with like maybe a more visually unique Michael Bay. And I don't want to say mm. skilled or mm. creative because Michael Bay is very skilled. Uh, visually. But George Miller has a unique way of seeing things, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So I saw it because I was like, this movie looks like it could show me if George Miller actually is as intelligent and, you know, he creates as thematically interesting movies as people say he does, right? Because you know the way I am where I'll give something multiple chances and I'll delve into it to see if I, maybe I'm the one who's wrong, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe that's a selfish yeah, issue yeah. on my part, and we all watch movies. Well, I think it's I think it's objective because we all watch movies in a different way, and you know, there's
0: some movies that I've watched the first time and been like, meh, that's all right, and then upon a different viewing, I'm able to see it in a different way or connect it to something else, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, I get this. This is a good movie. It is saying something, you know, deeper than what I've, I thought at first.
1: I've happened that happened with tons of movies. Okay, fair enough. I think uh, thank you for defending me. I appreciate that. Maybe feel better about myself. (laughs) Well,
0: you do have low self-esteem, too, but that's a
1: different (laughs) different topic. And the other reason I saw this is Idris Elba. So last week I saw Beast. This week I saw 3,000 Years of Longing for two weeks of Idris Elba. All right. Are you ready for my one-sentence letterbox review? Let's hear it. A movie about love and longing is mainly two people in a room talking to each other, yet somehow is unclear in its theme. So my Ooh, main so it's problem,
0: CW CW That's a CW review, right?
1: Yes, and that's what we're main talking problem. to each other. That's my main problem with this movie, right? So the the main part of the movie is Idris Elba's character trying to convince Tilda Swinton to make wishes by telling stories of his past owners, right? His past masters. And those, those stories of his past masters are like little movies in themselves. And they're interesting. And they're visually interesting, right? That's where George Miller really gets to be George Miller in those parts. But in between those, there are large chunks of just Idris Elba and Tilda Swinton sitting in a room talking to each other. It's like a play with three movies inside of it. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. you know You know what you're describing is it sounds like it's his attempt at something like Sucker Punch.
1: Wow, it's really interesting you say that because my, you brought this up. I was going to try to avoid the Zack Snyder comparisons. But my point about Fury Road is everything people use to critique Sucker Punch for is actually what Fury Road is, where it acts like it masquerades as a piece that's pro-women and it's this wonderful feminist uh, action that fights for them actions piece that fights for them, but it actually has no depth and meaning to it. It's just like, well, Justin, all I have to like, say is this. William, my degree from FU says you are a hundred percent correct. So I think I connected some things here. I, it must be correct. If you right. agree with me. Yes, I do agree with you. And it's the same thing here where George Miller, I wouldn't say it's so much sucker punch in the, you know, the feminist aspect of it in the, you know, and when I say sucker punch is feminist, I mean that in the true, objective and rational meaning of feminism, right? We're defending women in their, you know, equality and ability to use their rational mind to make their own decisions about their lives, minds, and bodies. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is more about love. And it, it doesn't achieve that because it's unclear as to what its point is, because there's a lot going on and you can decipher the movie, right? When you get to the end and, Tilda Swinton's relationship with Idris Elba turns out differently than the other three owners. You have to, you know, compare and contrast and say, well, why did this one work and the other three didn't? Right. That's that's intentional on the author's part. But it. Unfortunately, William, you're you're going to really get mad in a second here, right? It Uh-oh. it kind of has like a social justice vibe to it, or at least a left wing vibe to it, where. George Miller's Australian, but at a certain point he takes hits at Brexit. And <laughs> they make this into a weird thing, like a black woman, a black man with a white woman. They have that whole subtext in there, too, where that's intentional. <laughs> it's not just okay. we had Idris Elba, right? They had it be like, oh, the people are uncomfortable with Idris Elba, but they're still going to be together. The, the whole thing is very, very bizarre. And it's not as intelligent as it, it seems to be. I think, look, I think George Miller is a talented guy. I think that visually he's, he's, he's very strong visually. I just don't think there's much going on here. And look, I'm sure people will make lots and lots of arguments about what this is about and how it has depth. And we're eventually going to see this movie be, be raised up. And you can read a lot into this in the same way you could read into Mm -hmm. Fury Road, but at least Fury Road, you wanted to watch the entire time. This movie is like an hour and 40 minutes or something. Hour 43, 48 or something like that. I swear to God, dude, it felt longer than Zack Snyder's Justice League. It felt like we were in theaters forever. And it was the theater forever. And it wasn't just me. Midsider Conrad's visiting and he had the same impression. Uh, My wife kept looking at me because she was just flat out bored most of the time. Because I'm sorry. And Midsider Conrad disagrees with me. But it's a visual medium. I recognize, William, that you can film plays, right? And if you want yeah. to film a play like on Disney Plus, they filmed. Uh, what's the stupid Hamilton? They filmed Hamilton. Yeah. Right. And look, it's a play. And I watch the play and I go, OK, that's a well-made play. I think it's bad because I think it's historically um, farcical. I think it's trying to bring social justice into the American myth of our founding the american founding myth and i say myth very intentionally because i think there's the actual history and then there's the myth we tell to you know keep our culture and i think they're trying to smuggle social justice into that and i don't think they could have done i actually think they could have done it much more interestingly than they did that's a different discussion but it's still filming a play right and i go okay i watched a play Mm -hmm. i don't want to watch a movie which is just a play if you're going to make a movie make a movie don't just film people in a room talking.
0: Well, well, did he write this himself? Or were there, was this an adaptation? Like, it seems uh, like...
1: Uh, yes. So, again, William, play the drop. Which one? <laughs> Spoilers? No, the one that you're 100% correct. Oh, okay. William, my degree from FU says you are 100% correct. This uh, speaks to his shortcomings as a filmmaker at the end of the movie it does say he did write the script but it does say it's based on a book so in a book you can have lots of talking but you've got to figure out how to adapt that right like this is the biggest challenge with adapting an Ayn Rand book right there's a lot of talking and how do you adapt that visually well he failed at this and uh, stop telling me George Miller is a good director okay yes he's visually talented and visually interesting at times but he's not a good director Look, and because of that visual interestingness and that visual talent, I'm not going to give this a just no. Right. This is a no, bro. I would not suggest this movie, but it's not the worst movie ever made. It's not the worst movie of the year, but it is near the bottom of my list. This is you know, it's. This, I put this on the same level as like Doctor Strange this year where, yeah, like, you know, that well, Marvel is good at stuff, but they can't really tell a story.
0: Well, considering how much of a blank canvas this can be, and people can do all this reading into it and stuff like this, right? Like, does this mean the end of any of any possibility of him making a good film going forward? Because, like, you, you got to imagine he's going to get he's going to get a lot of Hollywood positive feedback for this movie. Like, is what? he going to be able to trust another writer to write him stories that he can actually make good films or at least passable films with?
1: Well, that's the thing. I would. Have or is he gonna going continue to continue right? to write his own shit? Right, and I, w- I would have to do some research and see if he's ever had good movies in the past. So I'm looking for... Yeah, that's true, um, that's true. I'm, I'm looking at his IMDb now very quickly. A lot of production. Uh, looks like he's doing another Mad Max as a producer. I don't know if he's going to direct it. There's the Furiosa spinoff that says he's the producer on it. Let me go down to director. It says he's only directed 19 things, so let me look really quickly. Yeah, he's gonna he's directing the Furiosa uh, spinoff. He's directing the Ma- the Untitled Mad Max project. Uh, he directed Happy Feet. He directed Babe: Pig in the City, right? Which was the sequel to Babe, correct? Mm-hmm. And he yeah. did the Mad yep. Max movies in the ni- in the uh, in the eighties, right? So he hasn't really ever done anything of much worth, right? I mean, I would yeah. even say the original Mad Max movies, if we look back at them now. Again, they were visually inventive at the time. It's Look, I'm going to make the same argument about George Lucas and piss people off, right? George Lucas, again, like very imaginative, very visually and technologically successful. Same thing with James Cameron, right? We find these people who are ahead of their times in certain ways, more on the technical side, but the storytelling side is lacking. Sort of like J.K. Rowling, right? Like her Mm -hmm. imagination and world building is phenomenal, but if you actually read those books... They're not very well written. And it's the same thing. I mean, just look at the movies. They suffer because Harry Potter is just a bad hero. He doesn't do much. He's very passive. Everybody else does everything. So as great as the world building is, that suffers from it. And I think it's the same thing here with George Miller. And I think you're exactly right again, William, where you're talking about um, he can't make a good movie again. I think people are so up his ass about Fury Road that any little interesting narrative... Ability he might have had is kind of out the window because what has he done? He's made this movie and now he's going to make two more Mad Max movies that are sequels to what he did before because he's mm, being praised. Yeah. It's what happens when you praise someone for making intentionally obtuse and abstract art. What are they going to continue to do? Make intentionally obtuse and abstract art. And people are going to continue to praise you for that. It's, you know, Midsider Katrina used to call it midwittery, that it's people who do things that pander to a certain crowd of people who think it's intelligent when it's really not. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that's what George Miller is. So, you know, this was kind of an exercise for me to investigate George Miller some more. And uh, I've come to a conclusion I'm satisfied with. And I'm sure it would make a lot of people dislike me and lose respect for me as a reviewer and someone who talks about movies. But you know what? I watch movies for my own enjoyment and I tell you what they're about to hopefully help you avoid suffering or have further enjoyment yourself. You otherwise might not have. And, you know, if you don't like my takes on it, then, you know, you're an idiot. No, I'm just kidding. Then that's okay. You don't (laughs) like my takes on it, but you're also an idiot. All right, let's move forward. That's what came out. We're going to talk about some movies that are going to come out. Uh, usually, I post the trailers in Discord on Saturdays for Trailer Takedown, the ones we're going to talk about. Because as you see, Midsider GS went in and made some comments that I'm going to read about those trailers. Um, by the way, I just looked at the Discord and Midsider Lucid said he couldn't finish the first Harry Potter book. Lucid, I could not get past the first page. That's how poorly written Harry Potter is. I couldn't get past the first page. But I watched the movies and I said, hey, you know, the world building here is tremendous, so I tip my hat to J.K. Rowling for that. And you know what? I'm kind of glad she got famous off of that and made a lot of money. Uh, so yeah, as I was saying, you know, Midsider GS left some comments on the trailers, and you can do that too. Or maybe you want to listen to us talk about them and then watch the trailers. Or maybe you just want to inter-alternate. You know, uh, inter-alternate. I just made a word. It's not a word. Uh, maybe you want to alternate. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. You watch a trailer. We talk about it. Trailer Takedown. First trailer. Mac and Rita is about a 30-year-old Instagram influencer or wannabe Instagram influencer that goes into some sort of like... I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it's like a sweat lodge. Except the sweat lodge has a tanning booth in it because it's L.A. And then she wakes up as Diane Keaton, who's in her 70s. And it's all about how... I, oh my God, William! This is my problem with this fucking trailer, right? The idea is it's all about how once she lives to be her authentic self, she becomes the hip grandma on Instagram, and about by being your authentic self, you can get social media fame. I know you know GS talks about how uh, this has been done before: Freaky Friday, Thirteen Going on Thirty. Zach Efron and whatever the heck the movie with Matthew Perry was. And remember the serial killer one with Vince Vaughn, which was pretty, pretty good, right? They did it. I forget what that was called. Wasn't that one just called Freaky or something? I forget what it's called, but that one was pretty good. So yeah, yeah. this has been done yeah. before. And I like, look, I like the concept. I like the narrative conceit of by becoming another version of yourself or, or body swapping, because this isn't a pure body swap, right? This is like advancing her in age. I like the conceit of you have to be comfortable with yourself and learn, you know, it's about loving yourself. I like that. But then when you add in the social media wrinkle and act as if authenticity is what gets you popularity on social media. Yeah, I mean, I like the benevolent universe design. The idea that, yeah, the more authentic you are, the more people will like you who are also authentic or more rational. Because I do find that to be true in life, right? By being myself and by being rational and having self-esteem, more people respect me and I am I attract more people who I enjoy being around. I do agree with that. But that's not how social media works and that's not how Los Angeles works. So I find the trailer itself, the, the premise of the movie itself, so flawed that I can't enjoy it. Perhaps if like she didn't work in social media or she didn't love live in Los Angeles, this could have been a better movie. Perhaps the trailer is simplifying things and there's actually more going on here. And they sent it, they said it in social media in LA for that irony. And maybe there's more of the irony, but this movie doesn't seem that complex. So I'm forced to tackle tackle.
0: Uh, you attack the theme. I'm going to attack the way it was made. This is a bunch of girls talking to each other. This looks super duper boring. Like, like, I like Golden Girls. I would rather watch an old Golden Girls than see old ladies talk to each other. This looks absolutely terrible. Tackle.
1: Ugh, tackle. Second trailer. The Inspection is an A24 movie about a gay black man whose mother seems to dislike him trying to join the Marines. And I emphasize the gay part because I kind of feel like this trailer was kind of subtly trying to hide it. And they would just kind of be like, oh, this isn't an Oscar baiting social justice movie. Here's a story about a dude who has conflict with his mother and is trying to join the Marines. But the beginning of the trailer had the uh, drill sergeant at the boot camp ask him. And I, I don't I don't know, William. I thought there was a policy of don't ask, don't tell. But he gets in his face <laughs> and he says, um, have you? are you now or have you ever been a homosexual? And then tells him, I will break you, which I read the subtext as he knows he's gay and he's going to make him come out. And then there were a couple scenes later on which showed that either there was another guy there who was gay or he was converting that guy. And then at the end of the trailer, they don't show who he's talking to when he's talking about like how he loves them or whatever and you're supposed to think it's his mom, but it seemed like it was actually a gay guy. And look... Maybe this movie could be told, but with A24 and the way this is shot in this trailer, it's like I said, it's Oscar bait, and this is going to be fucking awful, and it it may win, look, this, this may win the Oscar, and it may get hyped to fuck, but I'm going to tell you, this is an awful movie, I have no desire in seeing it, it's not going to give this material any of the weight and depth and honesty and authenticity it deserves. Tackle. Tackle.
0: Yeah, this looks very it this is I I can't tell if this is trying to be like a Hallmark movie or Oscar Bait. I know you, you, you see, I see what you're saying about the Oscar Bait, but to me I just felt like it's it's such a just so movie based Oscar on a bait true story. Is hall- Ready? It's Hallmark special on a very special episode of Saved by the Bell. That's what this felt like to me the whole time I was watching it. It was so, so
1: inauthentic. I need, I need, I need, I need, I need. I'm going to give you a drop. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. Oscar bait movies are Hallmark movies for the left.
0: All right. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, all I can say is.
1: Ugh, tackle third trailer Empire of Light stars a bunch of really good actors and Toby Jones I felt bad for Toby Jones with this trailer because it put up all the awards people have won and then it was like Toby Jones because on one hand I felt bad that you know he hasn't won any awards but on the other hand this is how uh, respected he is like he's a good actor if you ever seen him in Doctor Who or anything he is a good actor uh, he also was probably the lone bright spot in Captain America. Uh, Winter Soldier, right? He had an excellent role in that as a Hydra agent or Hydra computer later on. He's He's a really good actor. The acting talent is not the problem with this movie, though. The problem with this movie is, one, I'm not really sure what it's about, but two, there is one line that really, really is revealing and bothered me. So Toby Jones is narrating about how motion pictures are just an illusion of motion because if you play pictures in sequence at 24 frames, frames a second, it uh, mimics and fakes motion. Uh, and he has a little thing about how light illuminates and most people are distracted by this illusion of motion and the light. And then he says, but what they don't really see is the darkness in between. And when you use the word empire and you seem to be saying that Movies are an empire of light with how coded the word empire is nowadays for, you know, fascism and, um, fuck, William, what's the word when a country goes in manifest destiny, manifest yeah, destiny, colonialism, yeah. right? colonialism, manifest destiny. This seems to me like the entire point of this fucking movie is just to talk about how evil movies are and the movie industry is. And I don't like... Can you imagine watching a football game where, and I probably shouldn't have said this because we do, uh, where they tell you how evil watching football is? This is where we're at in our society, where we're going to make a movie about how evil making and watching movies are. Tackle. Tackle. You tackled so fast I wasn't ready. Um, you knew that was coming. Dude. I was winding up. Like I had more were, of a wind you were, up than Sam Waitfield. I thought there was
0: a. I know there was a. I thought there was going to be a rant, though. I was ready for. I was thought you were winding up for a rant, not for that. That was the just rant. A shotgun. Shotgun. Wait, what are I gonna I rant know. about? We're making
1: movies about why making movies is evil. Come on, so, I don't need to say anything This else. is what I was
0: looking for. That's true. That's what I was waiting for. Uh, I have no idea what this movie is about, and you're assigning all this depth and malevolence mal- 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 to it that makes sense i watched this trailer and i was like wtf what this th- there's nothing what am i supposed to what is this nothing there's nothing you get nothing from this
1: tackle <laughs> Ugh, tackle Final Trailer. Slumberland is a Netflix movie starring Jason Momoa that really reminds me of the Fred Savage, Howie Mandel movie, Little Monsters. Now, was that what that one was called? Was it Little Monsters? Can you double check me on that? Uh, I will double check that. Just Google Little Monsters. I'm pretty sure it's Little Monsters. The one, the really cool one where Fred yep, Savage yep. goes under the beds. Yep, it's
0: Fred Savage, yep, and, and Howie Mandel.
1: Yeah, and you go under the the bed through the shadows and then you can go into Monster World and Howie Mandel gave a really good role. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. The conceit of this one seems to be in order to get to Slumberland and interact with Jason Momoa, the dad tells a story and lets her learn about uh, what's, what Slumberland is. Uh, Midsider GS tackled this. He said you can't make this kind of movie and skimp on the VFX budge- budget. Uh, and he said it looks like they did. Uh, William, I don't know. Am I just more forgiving of visual effects? Because I read that, and then I watched. I read his comment, and then I watched the trailer, and I didn't really see anything wrong with the VFX for this. And I'm interested to hear what you say about that in a second when you review mm-hmm. it. So, look, I've I've tackled the other three, and I can go through the motion of being like, yeah, this doesn't look like something I'm going to go out of my way to see, and it's not. But I'm going to have to hug something eventually, anyway, right? If I tackle this. So That's true. look, I could see myself watching this at some point in my life. It looks enjoyable. And you know what? I like Jason Momoa taking on this kind of role. So hug. Hug.
0: Yeah. I, I see the point about the visual effects on this. It looks like, it looks like this is one of those movies that is entirely green screen. And that is, has a lot of problems and it can come off with just some things that are just in the uncanny valley so I don't know that it's that they skimped on it I think it's that they just may have been choosing poorly and they can straighten some of that out in editing so maybe they will I don't know all that being said this looks like it's, uh, just because Jason Momoa in it it looks like he's going to have a good time, it, it would be worth watching for me. Just like you said, Justin, though, I'm not going to go see this in the theater. This is definitely the definition of... Netflix and Hug.
1: By the way, you know what movie was shot entirely on green screen? 300.
0: It, but did it feel like it, though?
1: Right. That felt is, it like can
0: be... the comic book coming to life, which was right. a different motif, Right.
1: My point was just that it can be done well. That shooting on green screens is not yes. in itself yes. an issue. It's the execution. Absolutely. All right, William, what did we learn this trip?
0: Oh, man. Well, I learned that uh, all I have to do is be accosted by someone and I can sue Walmart for $4.4 4 million. Justin, so what just, did you learn this trip? Just
1: got to make sure you're in Oregon when you do it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I learned that Oscar bait movies are Hallmark movies for the left. And that is fucking a brilliant statement. And anyone who doesn't mm-hmm. recognize that's a brilliant statement is an idiot. And to quote Chris Jericho, they're a stupid idiot and you just made the list. That's how That's how great. And I'm patting myself on the back for that. I I think that was, I don't know how I didn't come up with that concept earlier, but I love it. And if you loved it, I just want to thank you for continuing to listen to the show, because as Midsider Conrad can tell you firsthand, I really do record this closet in the corner of this closet, this podcast in the corner of my closet. So I thank you for making me feel a little less crazy, because otherwise this would just be William goading me into ranting about Empire of Light in the corner of my closet. If you want to continue to support the show or just start supporting the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. That's the Midside.com slash Patreon and the Midside.com slash Locals. Uh, the Patreon is per episode, Locals is per month. You can go to the Midside.com slash store, buy some merch, the Midside.com slash The Cut, buy my first novel. This is all how we keep the lights on. But the best thing you can do to grow the Midside, make it more effective for you. Make it more effective for me. Make it more effective for William. It's tell a friend. I mean, I went to Hollywood Studios last night with my wife, former Midside co host Elliot, Midsider Conrad, uh, Midsider Francesca, who is logged in to listen right now. And hey, that was essentially a Midside meetup. So why don't you tell a friend, grow the Midside so maybe we can have larger Midside meetups every year in Orlando? I'd love if everyone came and we hung out. I don't know so how much many were. Yeah. I know William would come. I know Elliot's here and he'd love it. I'm sure Conrad would come again if he doesn't move to Florida, which I think he is. Why don't we try and make this happen? Tell a friend about the midside so we can all hang out at Disney once a year. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Demozniewski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Chandler, it's all your fault.
0: So if we all come, uh, have a mid meetup, we're all going to the, to the what is it, the Club 33 or whatever? We're just going to all go there and stare at each other until we get kicked out.
1: <laughs> Club 33 is in Disneyland, but I guess they have, like, similar <laughs> Whatever the equivalent than, is. Uh, yeah. yeah, whatever the equivalent <laughs> is. So we'll figure that out, yes.